episode of Free Kick On Air, our live and unedited podcast. We do live on Twitter each and every week that we're available. And this week for round six, starting off the pod, you've got me, Liam, as your host, and then you've also got Bailey from AFL Fantasy Fanatics. Bales, how are you going? Good, thanks, mate. Uh, looking forward to another week of uh, AFLW and AFLW Fantasy. Just, it is... It, it's good, but also part of me is sad because we're already halfway through the season. We're into the back half of the year. It goes way too quick. And I know that Kate, uh, I think Kate Sermon was on an article. I think Will shared as well, saying that uh, she obviously would they'd like to see the season uh, go a bit longer. So uh, as fantasy coach, I'm sure we'd all like that as well. But uh, at the moment, we've only got five weeks to go. So gearing up, how are you, mate? Yeah, look, not too bad. I, I was actually better for not having thought about the uh, length of the season uh, being as short as it is because it <laughs> just gets more and more frustrating the longer you think about it. Yeah. And just separately as a kind of call to action, anyone that is able to go to games, it's an absurd situation where, you know, the seasons will be lengthened on the basis of higher attendance at games, uh, which I just find quite ludicrous, to be honest. But you know, in the event of that being the case, if you can get to games, try and get to them because it'll only mean more fantasy games kind of in the years to come. So, at the and very least, a, if you yeah, go and it's real fun, I was going to say it's good fun as well. Like I was there last week. Was, if you guys were tuning at the start of the space, uh, when we were just chatting before that, it's just good. You just get to sort of it's just so good to go to a game, and then you because it's different with the men's. They'll so sort of because so many people they'll sort of go off and whatever. Whereas the the, the girls straight after the game, they'll go around, they'll take photos, they'll sign like stuff. And obviously, I got my photo of Marin off on the weekend, which was uh, fantastic. So, guys, you can get photos and, and stuff with them uh, most of the time after the game. So, it's, yeah, just another incentive that, yeah, get down and, and support the girls because that's the, one of the ways that, that the game gets bigger. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, obviously, it's easier to appreciate the quality of some players when you're there live. Well, yeah. Well, We'll use that as our nice little launching point into the first live game of the week. We've got the Western Bulldogs and Carlton at Witten Oval at a normal hour for the first game of the round at 7.15 on Friday night. In the ins and outs, we've got a huge out after a very short in period. We've got Karen Peterson out for Carlton. and We've got Jen Lawson Tavern coming back from her. I'm going to call it quite a ludicrous two-week suspension for one of the more innocuous, dangerous tackles I've seen in AFL M or W this year. And then for the dogs, it's Millie Brown and Elizabeth Snell coming in for Dom Carruthers and Heidi Woodley. Now, unfortunately, this is now with uh, a lot of people having traded out Cordner and Pound in last week, given the rearrival of Peterson. This now becomes a kind of slightly diminished in importance fantasy game. Yeah, yeah, unless, yeah, that's uh, right, yeah. Unless Bales, you've still got any of them? Uh, no, so I, I'd never had uh, Gab Pound, and yeah, I traded uh, Corden the last week to Tanya Kendi, which actually worked out uh, pretty well for me. She looked pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I think if you've if you've still got Corden, I think that we there's not really any defenders that are, are crying out like pick me because like besides probably like Johanna Priest and maybe never kind of like a couple at the top because a lot of them have, can score well and then score poorly. If you go Gab Pound to someone, it might only be within 10 points, 15 points of each other. So it's probably worthwhile going if you've got your 
if you've got other issues like Phillips, Davey, issues like that, um, I think you're going to gain more points by doing that. So if I've got Cordner, I'd probably be holding in. I think the Bulldogs are a decent matchup for defenders. Uh, the Bulldogs, oh, that's a great question. I will pull up the uh, scale of hardness. So the Bulldogs are they're pretty good. They're kind of yeah. within the top quarter third of teams. So that's a that's probably a good point. Uh, in terms of like, I think you can keep both of them. And I'm also of the mind that unless you can kind of do it with less than maybe say 150k, I think trying to jump up to Hannah Priest is a potential mega risk. Because I think once you go above that amount of cash, you're either getting someone who can kind of average 100 plus, And in my mind, that's basically the midfielders and then Hoare or, or too good, basically. Too good yeah. and, and Morrison as being those kind of players that are able to average it that much that not everyone has in their sides. Whereas I think it's highly possible that Hannah Priest comes out with a 60 this week, particularly in the event where she won't have a player to tag in this game. And that's really important. Yeah, and if, if you look at her scores, like she's been fantastic. I jumped on her two weeks ago and got a sixty-five, which is which is pretty, which is decent for a, for a defender. We know that defenders are scoring a bit lower. Then she got the one twenty last week, but before that, she eighty-five, sixty-six, seventy-seven. So she's been a little bit high, but in and around the marks of your Emma Carney's and and like even Charlotte Thomas last few weeks, like they've been getting anywhere from sixty-five to eighty-five as their scores. So that big one twenty, I think people are probably just go and get, you've got to have her in. But I think there's probably other, if you can save maybe a little bit of cash there and, and use that cash elsewhere to get a better player, then I think that could be a play. Yeah, because I think the important thing to, to note here is that Hannah Priest is now priced at 90. So, yeah, I think the uh, Carlton is an easy matchup for midfielders, but I also don't think that Hannah Priest is a kind of traditional midfielder. She was, you know, in my mind, to some degree, being drawn to, to the ball by... Ellie Blackburn, because Ellie Blackburn just has almost no other competition inside that uh, Western Bulldogs midfield, at least for kind of experience. So I'm not necessarily predicting a low score for Priest this week. I'm not expecting like 40s or 50s. But if you are, you know, bringing her in this week, I wouldn't be expecting, you know, 100 plus again this week. Yeah, I think I agree. Uh, I think, but she has obviously shown that she's got that ceiling and that clear number one defender. So I guess if you've got no issues and you've got that spare cash free, then I think you can you can potentially launch in. Well, I was just seeing uh, Will's popped in, so I know he'll be saying that just got to get Priest in because I know Priest's one of his favourites. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's see if I can uh, actually get him on board. Well, whilst we uh, move straight on from Hannah Priest, as Will has now joined, uh, we're going to talk <laughs> for a quick second about Ellie Blackburn because she's someone who's been in more people's trade plans this week, and I can definitely understand why she's coming off I think it might be her best score of all time, which, you know, great. I think, and as well, you know, the Western Bulldogs, are, if are off the top of my head, I actually think they've got a good upcoming run. You know what? Yeah. It's more that it's just not bad. They've got kind of they got you know, two, two slight red matchups and then three light green or green matchups. Yeah, well, Carlton, Adelaide, Sydney, and West Coast. Um, I'm a fan. A few people have sort of poo the idea of bringing Blackburn in, but I think it's I think it's a good option. I don't know necessarily if there's going to be too many hard tags. Like there's no single, no Meg McDonald, no one, no Kathy's Vark in the next few. So I think that she can put up solid scores, and she's probably got a lot of break even after that one seventeen. So she can at least 
be a stopgap for maybe a fortnight, maybe three weeks to maybe make 100K, maybe 200, depending on how big she scores. And then you can maybe go across to a gun if you don't have a, a Marinoff, a, a Riddell, Hatchard, Robot, and one of those top mids, um, even Ali Anderson after that single tag could be an option as well. So it's, I think it could be a decent play. It, it could be a decent play. I think the, the reason why I'm a little bit hesitant is that is by far and away her best score. And otherwise, her um, market share is relatively low. I think she's at that 9% mark, which is good in the context of fantasy. I just think that... You want a bit more. You do want definitely want a bit more. Hang on. I'm just going to pull up what it was for the Western Bulldogs game. So she had that massive score. It was only 9.5% market share, and she's averaging eight for the year, which I think combines to, to speak to a St. Kilda. That matchup against St. Kilda was extremely high scoring, and that doesn't exactly fill me with the same confidence. Will, I'll uh, invite you to join us speak for the first time. What are your thoughts on Ellie Blackburn as a potential trading target at that kind of below $1.1 million mark? Yeah, g'day, everyone. Uh, firstly, I'd like to say I came in at the perfect time talking about that. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of Ellie Blackburn, you you were close, Liam. It was actually a third highest ever score. But interestingly, it was the first time she's ever had over 30 disposals. So she's in That's form right. Most regardless. Most disposals of, ever. Yeah, most disposals. Um, I, think, I think the thing about Blackburn is I think Bailey nailed it on the head where I don't think Blackburn's going to be a major tra- uh, tag target. Um, where I think the Bulldogs just simply aren't good enough at the moment to, to really warrant it. Um, the 61 and the 77 aren't fantastic, but as you said, she's got a, a decent run. I think if you are looking for a stepping stone player, which I think you alluded to, Liam, I think it's actually quite a good option. It's like if you don't have the money to take, say, a, a T. Smith all the way up to one of the Uber premiums, probably a good one to just drop a couple of hundred on top of and maybe you'll be able to get there in a couple of weeks. You would, you would hope so. And I, I also think that you know, as much as uh, – actually, I think the really important thing to mention here is that I don't think we can undersell how bad the kind of uh, word is coming out of the Bulldogs with week, this week with those comments from Nathan Burke and you know media reports suggesting that there was an extra long discussion after the game on the weekend. I can't imagine that – like I think there's one of two options. It's either you know this game against Carlton is a is a true show of the best the Bulldogs can offer and the kind of lowest low of that losses against St Kilda kind of propels them forward. And I definitely think that at times when um, Blackburn has scored poorly as a fantasy player, it's come because she is the only player in there who's able to make a difference, a major difference at stoppages, and she just gets overwhelmed and is unable to get first possessions and kind of do much in the game. I also think there's an entire possibility that, you know, that the talk from Berkey this week is a sign that there's, you know, there's a lost playing group and that could completely tank everyone's scoring and they could become even more of a pushover. So I think there is some risk in that respect. And in terms of whether or not she will get tagged per se, I don't think so, but she is by far and away their most accomplished midfielder. So I think stoppage attention is kind of almost guaranteed game to game. And that's kind of born true for the last few years. Yeah, well, he, he, I think. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry Will. Uh, I was just going to say, well, to you boys, what do you what do you think? Because a lot of people, myself included, are looking at 
uh, Ellie Blackburn or Abby Dowrick. I've currently got Dowrick the more and more I think about it. Is that where we would go if we're choosing between the two? I prefer um, Dowrick. I personally prefer Blackburn if you're going for a intermediate option. I think that Blackburn's probably a player that I think could have a run of two, three good games. Derek, to me, is a player who is at some stage going to be one of those players that you want in. And I mean this in a long-term sense. I just want to see the consistency from Derek. That could start next week. So it's a risk either way. But personally, I would go Blackburn. Yeah, I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be pretty close. Yeah, and I think um, I think something else I just want to say about um, Ali Blackburn is that previously we've seen that Kirsty Lamb's been a bit undercooked this season, has been spending a lot of time up forward. As of last week, we saw actually be a bit more in the midfield. Um, inside the stoppages a bit more, and that caused a season high of uh, 91 for her. And I think her coming back into full fitness really helps Blackburn by just having that other bigger body in at the stoppages to give Blackburn a bit of protection. So that's one other thing that I have in Blackburn's favour. I still don't think it means Blackburn's going to suddenly score 117 every week, but I think it it is a point in Blackburn's favour for me. Yeah, interestingly, I actually... That was the... It was only 11% CBAs for Kirsty Lamb this week. Um, mm. And the real beneficiary this week was mm. uh, Belle Pritchard, who, for anyone who's mm. going to continue playing on, as I expect all of you should, uh, Belle Pritchard is a name to have in your black book. She's a 178-centimetre midfielder who has taken a little bit of time to see that ceiling, but she looked really, really good on the weekend. Option. Not an like, not an option. Like too many, too much chance of a fifty, if you ask me. And she's already a little bit expensive because she's, you know, averaged, you know, I think seventy to this point. I'll need to get up her uh, stats. Yeah, seventy on. I think it's a, yeah. She's a she's a name to have in your black book for next season because she's kind of that breakout candidate. She's improved every year, and I think she's a, 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 a future gun. Yeah. Well. We've now spent a little bit longer on the first game than I originally intended, but we'll move along <laughs> then nice and quickly to uh, a game without many changes whatsoever because we've got GWS and West Coast out at Blacktown at 105 on Saturday afternoon. And the only change in this game is we've got Miller out for the Suns and in comes Renee Karras. Uh, which is that would be the uh, the Giants. Liam. The Giants, yes. I always, I, for whatever reason, I always mix those two up when I'm speaking. <laughs> so that's Renee Karras, the Ruck, coming in, uh, which is interesting. Uh, in terms of uh, what that does for the teams, I really don't think it matters too much. It, it might be that if anyone is looking at Cambridge McCormick as a trade in as a effectively basement price player, I don't know if I'd be doing that. I don't see her CBAs lasting. Uh, yeah, I, I think with McCormick, it's likely that if she is going to get more time on ground, will be in that half earlier in the season. And against West Coast, that was, that was not probably not well. the best role to begin with, let alone against West Coast. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd be probably steering clear of McCormick there. Uh, I think, yeah. Karras basically just comes in as some extra right coverage. It's probably not surprising that Fleur Davies is starting to tire a little bit as the season goes on. Um, so they've brought 
I think she was tired to begin with, to be honest. Her, CP, her time on ground's never been particularly high. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, it really is someone who looks like they can physically dominate in years to come, but needs to kind of potentially work. Uh, and you can kind of, you, you can kind of see those kind of players where they are getting a little bit more tired. And it, it comes down to like giving away silly, small free kicks kind of just by being late at times. But in terms of the biggest story from this uh, game, and I'm going to get you both to predict, we've got two sets of taggers and we really need to know what's going to happen. So we've got Elise Parker as the main tag target for GWS, and then you've got Emma Swanson as the tag target for the Eagles. And interestingly as well, Hanin Zarika has been named on the ball as a follower. If you were going to predict who's going to get the hardest tag out of Swanson and Parker this week, who would you say it is? I'll throw to you, Will, first. Personally, I think Parker. I, Swanson to me isn't the sort of player that I think desperately needs a tag because most of her work for the Eagles is actually her defensive work. It's the running backwards to help with the defense, tackle and around the ball. Like she's a fantastic player, Swanson, but she's not exactly what I would call like the explosive player like Parker. And I think with this being a very winnable game for the Giants who haven't won a game yet, I think they will be looking to a player like Elise Parker to have a big game to get them over the line. So if I were at, over at West Coast, I'd be putting a fair bit of time into Elise Parker this week. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I, I, I've, I think, I've, got some, I've got some thoughts as well, but yeah, Bale. I was going to say, yeah, I think Elise Parker's the, the clean sort of one that's got the danger of, of the tag. And um, yeah, I think that she could be held to a bit of a, a lower score, um, but I still think she's a, she's a good option to be bringing in, uh, with, especially with that good run coming up. And she's been tagged in the past. She, she can still find a way to, to get a solid a solid score. But um, no, just the other thing with mentioning taggers for you, uh, chat about it, Liam, as well. One of the tags not playing this game for Giants, Lister. How how can it not be reported before the teams were announced? So she's out for I think it was eight weeks or something with an injury. Like it's just yeah, ridiculous. Injury reporting's not not really it's, it's, the best. <laughs> it's really not good at all, uh, and it has. It's almost like I've had to put it in the rearview mirror because I've been too frustrated by it. <laughs> um, in terms of what I think, I agree that Elise Parker is the more important more important tag threat. Here's going to be my issue. I think that uh, the Giants are going to look at what Gold Coast did to Swanson and say, we want a piece of that action because they completely shut out Swanson from the game for the majority. Uh, And as much as will I agree that Swanson works back, she often works back into the back line as a marking target as they try and get out. And now that's obviously a lot harder when you are copying attention around the ground. And we saw that Hanarin Zarika was very good at that uh, against uh, North and uh, Jazz Garner. Here's the problem. I think that Emma Swanson is also the best tagger at West Coast. And if you're going to pick someone that would follow around Elise Parker, it would be Emma Swanson. Are we going to end up with this kind of daisy-chained tagging line going around the ground? Or is it going to be something where... The sides are going to have to make some pretty drastic changes during the game to kind of drop tags. Because if you ask me, in the event that kind of you see Swanson try and get tagged by Zarika and then Swanson is trying to tag Parker, you're kind of in this weird situation where 
all the midfield work needs to be done by Bella Lewis. And I don't know if West Coast would want to be relying on that for most of the game. I actually think um, you're missing a big name who I think is actually probably the the biggest, well, I would say would be the biggest uh, tag target if I was targeting a player as GWS, and that is Ella Roberts. I was going to say that before, yeah. But uh, So I agree that uh, but she's not so much a tag target because she's already playing a majority off the half-forward line. And so she just has someone that is told you are just like sticking to the, her like glue. And to be honest, her impact is massively muted by the fact that West Coast coming out of defense sometimes cannot hit a kick to save themselves. Like half the time, it's just like punt it somewhere near Ella and hope she can take a mark. And even then, sometimes she'll be wide open right there for a mark on the wing and they short arm it, kick it inside, you know, whatever you want. And they are crap. Like as much as I think that, yes, Ella Roberts is highly talented and need lots of attention. I don't think she so much gets a tag as just teams will game plan to make sure that there's someone who's able to run with her. So uh, we're kind of left in a situation where I don't think whatever, actually I'm going to say whatever tagging type situation we see at the first CBA in the first quarter, my prediction is there is 0% chance it is similar at the end of the game because of the, what sides, what these two sides are going to do and the willingness to kind of change up who's tagging who. I think I think it's an interesting one, and the tagging is always an interesting one for teams down the bottom because it's always interesting how much impact they can actually have. So I think it'll be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, 100%. And unfortunately, what we've given you there is some extra information but also probably some extra reasons to stress about trading in Elise Parker this week. And don't worry, I'm in the same spot. That's why I've kind of thought about the fact she is the tag target and then what it will do to the rest of the midfield structure. Uh, and now, Will, I think you may have missed this discussion, but Bales, you and I are now, to, now about to chat again about Melbourne and Adelaide out at Casey Fields. <laughs> In terms of the ins and outs, uh, we've got the biggest out of the week, and that's Paxi Paxman is out for Melbourne alongside George Campbell and Taylor Harris and Megan Fitzsimon are coming in. And then for Adelaide, interestingly, it's two defenders back for the Crows with Stevie Lee Thompson and Najwa Allen coming out coming in. And then out is the off-in-and-out Montana McKinnon, and then also one I'm very surprised to see get dropped in, Brooke Tonnen, the defender, who has been omitted. It's been solid. I'm, I'm surprised she got dropped. I, I'm very surprised that uh, that she got dropped, particularly in a world where I still would say that the Crows are not replete with their full kind of lineup of defenders. Uh, I don't think necessarily that if you look at their defence, I don't know, you know, if you ask me, I think I would be picking Brooke Tonnen over Jess Waterhouse, for example. Yeah, I, it's a tough one. I think that because Waterhouse brings a little bit, I guess, to to the forward line, sort of just that sort of that speed and and sort of a different forward. So that might be why. But yeah, I, I do agree. But it's going to be a very interesting game. But I think that probably the one with the extra couple of defenders coming in does that make Randall an option now? It makes Randall more must-see television than she was before. I cannot, I cannot in good faith jump at it. It's too risky and concerning. I think it's something that we're all going to have to keep our eyes on. 
the fact that they're going up against Melbourne, which is not an easy matchup, also doesn't fill me with, you know, belief that it's good. It's, a, it's basically the third hardest matchup for midfielders. So not an ideal place to start. Yeah, going because forward, part- though, I definitely think it's something we've got to keep an eye on. Yeah, because part, be part of me thinks that she might go more into the midfield this week just because of how big the game is. And if I guess if they need her in defence or up forward, then um, that's uh, where she'd go. I've just looked at it because going Erin Phillips up is, is is tough because it's uh, she's down at six seventy nine. She's not she's cheap. There's not much else around her. So part of me is just like, do I just throw a dart at Chelsea Randall, knowing what she's capable of, and just get off the Erin Phillips? Um, sort of uh, roller coaster that's sort of gone way off the rails last few weeks. So that's that's probably why I bring it up. And I think a few people are in that boat because Cash Jen is it's, it's not there. It's, unless you have Ty Smith on your bench and you were lucky enough to sort of hold stick fat with her on the bench and you you had a sort of full mid and you can go uh, her down and get 600-odd K or whatever 500K would be. Most people have got like Caitlin Pope, like a basement ruck, basement forward, maybe even another basement defender as well. So we don't have much cash. So it's like maybe he's going Phillips to Randall, a potential play, but yeah. It's it's an interesting play. And if you really are strapped for cash, there are players with, there aren't often players with that higher pedigree that you can pick. And, I, you know, I would say outside of one round this year, I or maybe one or two rounds, I think Randall has probably outscored Phillips. Rather yeah. depressingly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it'd be, I think, two weeks. Yeah, week one and week three, I think, are the only yeah. two weeks. So it's a name to keep an eye on. And if you really are strapped for cash, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to talk you down from it. I, I think it's a definite possibility. And, and I've already talked about the fact that Randall is more of a watch when uh, Adelaide do hit harder sides and towards the back end of the year when results matter more, she's the one who they often lean on for kind of match-winning performances. Will, are you similarly on board with a more increased watch of uh, of Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, Chelsea Randall's one of those players that is literally a week-to-week proposition now, because if she suddenly gets the role that she had last year, cheapest, easiest bargain pick you're going to get. But until it happens, much like you said as well, Liam, I'm just not willing to risk it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's literally possibly my greatest watch and wait for the season on this one. Yeah, it's kind of a watch and wait that we've had all year. It was something that, you know, I was tweeting about back, you know, two weeks before the season started, which was, oh, defenders are out for Adelaide. No, don't pick Chelsea Randall. Impliedly, once they come back, yeah, she's a she's a potential option. Yeah, and the other, th- the other thing quickly just to note as well is that Tia Charlton's had a, a very strong year as that third midfielder next to uh, Hatchard and, and Marinoff. So there's probably not, I guess, a need for her to go in there. And also, Abe Ballard's been pretty good in the midfield. So it's, so it's not like last year where Tia Charlton was still sort of sort of working her way into sort of that sort of real strong rotation for the Crows. So, yeah, just something to keep an eye on as well um, with Randall. But Sarah Allen is only a couple of weeks away, uh, hopefully. So that might be another big thing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. You'd be hoping she's back for the Brisbane game in uh, round eight. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, what's happening on at Melbourne, we've kind of seen that uh, losing Paxi Paxman for a game didn't do much to affect them in that round two matchup against uh, GWS Bales. I think Kate Hoare had a particularly good game that uh, that week. I can't remember if you remember her score. 
yeah, let's not speak about that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was uh, quite unfair of me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, oh, just, I didn't even yeah. watch it. I refused to watch it. I couldn't. I couldn't bear myself to to watch that. That was, yeah, one of the biggest blunders I've made in in any fantasy sport. I reckon. Yeah. Well. What, not knowingly, that's one of the best fancy quarters of all time, uh, at least, you know. Uh, you can kind of join me in the Abbott Dowrick Club then. Uh, in, terms of, <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of what this is actually going to do for their structure, I don't think it's going to change much, but I do think that if there is a week, if you're looking to upgrade an F5 and you don't have Kate Hoare already, I think this is a great time to launch. Will, uh, you are already an owner. Uh, yep. Do you feel like lending her to me this week? That'd be lovely. I mean, I would like to say that uh, I told you to to start with her at the start of the season, as I did, and yep. you're a bit unsure about the Melbourne mid uh, Melbourne mid forwards in particular. You, I think you went with uh, Paxi as your pick of the lot. Yes. Um, so I'm uh, I'm going to let you hold on to Paxi for this week, and I'll keep Cable. I, I don't, I, I don't have Paxi. <laughs> I'm more meant as the. Uh, you don't have Paxi, but neither does Melbourne, so it kind of works. How about me, right, Will? Yeah. I, st- I started with Kate Horse, so I was on the bandwagon, mate. Lend oh. her to me. <laughs> I, I am proud of you, Bales. I don't need to lend her to you. Did, did, have you traded her out? <laughs> oh, dear. No comment. I, 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 I just, I've just put together what's, just, uh, what's happened here because I, I missed that bit of knowledge, so I apologise for that one, Bales. <laughs> no, no, I, no. I would lend it. I would lend it to you, but it was your fault for trying oh, okay. to. It was, to, it was, it was, yeah, it was to up, just long story short, if anyone did miss it, it was to upgrade Bree Davey, uh, get her on field up from uh, Ty Smith after round one, and I needed to cull someone up there, and I could have gone Phillips or Roberts down. Instead, I thought, oh, Kate, who had one huge corner in round one, that was half a score. I'll go her just because she's the most expensive, and, yeah, I saw an 84-point corner in round one, and, yeah, sorry, round, uh, the first quarter, and, yeah, I've been scarred ever since. See, I actually think the, the bigger travesty there was trading out T. Smith in the first round. I was staggered that everyone wanted to do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, Will, you came armed with uh, extra experience having watched her uh, be that uh, all, well, not all Australian, rising star. And let's just use that as a perfect launching point to talk about St Kilda versus Hawthorne at RCA Park on Saturday afternoon uh in terms of the ins and outs who have we got we've got nikki zenos out suspended and in comes rosie dillon for her first game of the year and then hawthorne have omitted sophie Locke and brought back in from concussion mackenzie early we've already had a bit of a discussion about hannah priest and what she means uh, oh, do you think yes. uh, oh, well my expectation in this instance is that uh, priest is probably going to be tagging Bates. i think do we, do we all agree that's the most likely outcome here? Yeah, I think so. And the, the good thing about Priest is it's not a hard tag. It's more a run-with role. So it doesn't what – I, what I found with watching a fair bit of Hannah Priest is it basically just means she gets around the ball a lot while not terribly affecting the other midfielder in terms of scoring. So it's perfect for everyone. Yeah, because she tagged Jazz Garner in round one for 122. And then she tagged Ellie Blackbird to 120. She just yep, allows exactly. herself, she, she just allows the that other kind of elite primo midfielder to be, you know, a guiding light towards the best bit of the stoppage, uh, and then just kind of tackles and gets some possessions. And you know, in terms of a way to score fantasy points, it's not bad. Uh, for the rest of the game, though, uh, I 
don't know necessarily if people, many people are packing uh, Hawthorne players in their side at the moment. But interestingly, there probably are a lot of people who have Tiana Smith now at M5 and are thinking whether or not this is the week to launch and remove her. And I'm certainly in that position and I've certainly seen a few questions out there about it as well. If you were going to predict what Tiana Smith was going to score this week against Hawthorne, who are an easy matchup and also who love a game of competitive tackle football <coughs> because, you know, Bet Goddard cut her teeth in seasons one and two as a premiership coach and bring it back a bit of that pressure action in uh, season eight. How do we reckon Tiana Smith is going to go? Bales, I'll throw it go to you first. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon about 85. Um, I've got her on field as my M5 as well. And, um, yeah, I just think that it could be a matchup where Hawthorne likes to play that sort of sort of contested style of footy. And I think that that could be good for Ty Smith's sort of quick possessions out of the contest and getting racking up those tackles. So, yeah, 64 last week, a little bit down from the previous three weeks. But uh, I think that she can bounce back a little bit and go at least 75. I think anywhere, yeah, from 75 to 90, and I think 85 is sort of the number I had in my head um, when you asked me the question, so I'll go with that. Not bad, yeah, I think that's Yeah, I think, that, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I, I'm, I'd be fairly comfortable with keeping T. Smith on the field. I, I did trade her out last week, but I think she's got probably another game, maybe two, uh, of making a bit of money if you do have a few other things that you need to fix up and you want to keep her till you can really cash in on it. So I think somewhere between a, yeah, a 70 and a 90 is probably the range. Yeah, I tend to agree. Interestingly, her break-even is 76.5. So it's at that situation where if she scores an 80, she's only going to make your 10K. So I think oh. if you are keeping her, you would want to be thinking about both her run kind of in the next game next week. And they've got GWS, which is, again, not a bad matchup for her. Again, that, that's another side that, you know, Secure may be actually able to get a win, but also another side that likes that kind of tackle-heavy match. And then additionally, uh, you either have to think that you're going to keep her or have a kind of an exit strategy or, or at least some target players that you think might be attainable next week because it's going to be difficult to take someone like her up at, say, 860, 870K up to a even a 1.1k slightly fallen premium midfielder. Anyone anyone kind of considering otherwise holding her longer, or is it a, a hold if you've got some kind of extra strategy? I've I've traded her out, so it's much of a muchness for me. But yeah, I'd probably say this is probably the week where she's going to hit that ceiling on her price, unless she has a one out of the box. So. I think you can hold her this week, but I'd be looking to move her on soon. Yeah, I've looked at trading her just because, again, looking at – I could go maybe Phillips up to like a D. Berry or someone around that price, or I could go Ty Smith to a, a Jenna Bruton or someone in that – or even a, a Bell Doors or whatever. So part of me is tempted where I'm probably going to get more cash gen from that midfielder. So it's like it, But then again, do I really want to hold Aaron Phillips over Ty Smith? That's the sort of question I'll ask myself. But – I think if you can get off Ty Smith, I think that you you could do it to get uh, – if you can go like to a Dowrick or something, I think that's a good move if you can uh, get up there or even a Blackburn. But if you can't, as uh, Will said, I think you can hold her for another week potentially too and hopefully she can pop out a 90, 95 and, and make you a little bit more cash. Yeah, I agree. 
Right, well, let's uh, unless there's any other players we want to discuss from that, let's move along to Port Adelaide and the Sydney Swans at Ableton Oval. The ins and outs, we've got Jade Anthony and Alice Mitchell coming in, and then Julio Sullivan and Brooke Lachland injured out. And then, well, actually, gee whiz, there's so many players out for uh, Port Adelaide. Out are Maria Maloney, Jade DeMello, and Jade Halfpenny. And then coming in are Latonya Cockatoo-Motlap, Ash Saint, and Sachi Syme. In terms of the ins and outs that really have an impact here, I think Maria Maloney out for personal reason is the one that is most kind of fantasy impactful. It's a situation where, in kind of both of your eyes, does that improve the prospects of an Abby Dowrick? coming off her best performance of the week as a trade-in target. Yeah, it, it's one of those ones for me that if they're against a stronger opposition, could go either way. It means Derek could cop a bit more attention or it means she's more of the main focus. Against the Swans, who have a pretty pretty standard sort of midfield operation, I, I, I don't think it's going to have a huge amount of impact scoring wise but I think it could change the roles of a few players around Darick which might be actually more important for Darick if that makes sense. Yep I think that uh, Maria Maloney is a similar style of player to mm. Darick would be the, the yep. kind of main thing and in terms of what Sydney do in their midfield you know they've named Lucy McAvoy, Laura Gardner and Montana Ham which if you'd named that round one I might have believed you but We've not seen much to that effect so far this year. I would suggest that it, I would be surprised if this is the game where we see a, a strong tag on Abby Dowrick. Uh, I would expect this is the kind of game where we might see maybe some higher CBAs for Chloe Malloy to try and get her back into some form, or at least a more concerted game plan to kind of maximise her after a down couple of weeks. I'm of the mind that Dowrick is someone who I expect to go big this week. She's a high-tackle player. Sydney have shown that they also like contested high-tackle games. And she's kind of got the, the uh, a unique talent in that Port Adelaide side. And she's got a, a massive kick from that midfield as well. And so I expect her to be over 100 this week. And interestingly enough, her market share over the, each of the last three weeks, if you average it, would be basically 10%. Uh, which, if you have a look at the market share percentages of kind of players across the entire comp, there's maybe half a dozen players who can go above 10% market share. So I'm very hot on the idea of bringing in Dowrick this week. Uh, either of you guys trading her in? Bales, I know you were talking about tossing up between her and Blackburn. Yeah, um, at this stage, I'm, I'm going Dowrick over her. And just a few factors, like uh, like there's only one poor score in here below 86, which was against Brisbane being 51. And the two easier matchups being St Kilda and West Coast, she's gone above 90, both of them. The other ones, Geelong 86, the Crows 87 around one, then obviously the Brisbane poor score. So in the easy opposition, she has, she's been able to get above that 90 mark and I expect to do it again and if you look at her time on ground as well it's actually gone up each of the last four weeks it's gone she was a low 70% against Brisbane then 79 82 and then 84 so she's obviously increasing game time she's uh, playing uh, easier opposition so I expect her to put up a big score and this is not to rub salt 
in Liam. Did she? Um, it was Sydney that she had the big score yes. last year. Yeah. So yes, I, yes, I think was. that I think that she can put up um, a pretty similar score once again. And there's more game time, so she could even go even bigger. And I hope she does for you, Liam. Yeah. I really do. If, yeah, only I'm, if I I'm bring her in. Only if I bring. Otherwise, yes. I want like ten. We we for those who've actually listened to our podcast this week, we discussed it that the uh, Cosmic Footy Karma is going to do something this week with Abby Dowrick. She's either going to score 150 or sub 50. We don't know which one yet. All depending on whether Liam brings her in or not. Yeah, great. Right. So the the weight <laughs> of, a, of one of the most traded in players this week is on my shoulders. It's this is really filling me with uh, much joy because at the moment she's my kind of trade up target for Tiana Smith. If I do go that way. Because uh, I'm yeah. also looking at trading up uh, Britt Benici this week, but we we're going to talk about that matchup a little bit later. So um, that kind just, of covers off on the, the main player in that game. Yeah, Bales? I was just going to say one player I just want to quick discuss before we go to the next one. I've got We've got to talk about Aaron Phillips because I, I'm trying to hold on to any hope whatsoever just so I can probably do an upgrade that I want to do. Ash Saint's back. There's no Maria Maloney, so would, that would – tend to think that that means that Aaron Foote's going to play majority midfield. Is there a world where we can hold her again this week or do we just have to abort ship and just get whoever really that you can get in? Because I'm not, I don't know if I'm sold on the players under 800 K like your, your D bros. We talked about the West Bulldogs before and, and even like a Randall and Kaufman and players like that. So is there a world where we can hold Phillips? Well, I'll throw to you first. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. It's a tough one because Phillips has been underwhelming, but if there's ever a matchup where she could go, not even just big, but just at least well, it's against Sydney when there's a midfield spot up for grabs. And I think you can... The problem The problem here is I think you definitely can hold Phillips. I think the logic with it is sound, but you could come to the end of that game going, gee, why did I hold Phillips? And... With hindsight being 2020, of course, because we just don't really know how she's going to go, whatever role she's playing at the moment. Even if she is playing that midfield, she's had a few down down games as well. So I think you certainly can hold Phillips. And I think that if there were ever a time to hold Phillips, now is probably that time with this matchup if you hadn't got rid of her already. See, I'm of the opinion that if you were to kind of look at the narrative on her role kind of and who she's playing against in a vacuum, you could make the argument that she's there to keep. Watching that game against West Coast, and I've watched her for the few weeks prior, she has looked tired and has not gone in for tackles, not been taking marks. Port Adelaide haven't been looking for her for marks either. And, you know, as much as... Port Adelaide have at times this year looked all right. They just got beaten by West Coast, who hadn't won a game in a year. I do not think that you can keep Erin Phillips. She's looked just not willing to kind of put in the effort to kind of see big fantasy scores. You know, she still gets her possessions every now and then, and it was true in that game against St Kilda. She basically didn't lay a single tackle until the final couple of minutes. I'm just of the mind that she just looks exhausted. She's not covering the ground. She's not getting to tackles or quick possessions at stoppages. She's getting the CBAs. That's not her problem. 
She's just not getting around the ground to score enough points. And so as much as, yes, it's possible she can score all right this week, she still had a 71% CBAs last week for a score that started with a three. It was a rough watch. And that it also, in, like, you know, that was that was a lucky 30-odd. Like, it could have been a whole yeah. lot worse. I guess, a, I guess a question here is a player to watch. A play, and a player who we talked a lot about preseason who hasn't really quite come on as we thought. Hannah Ewings, the rising star. Could she be a player that moves into that midfield in the absence of Maloney? It's possible. It's just a situation where if she's not in the midfield, she's not going to score well. Absolutely. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a stab on a... And, and, and that's, I think that's... Yeah, go. Sorry, I was going to say, I think that's the thing. This is... If she's in there this week on the back of Maloney being out, it's a next week move. I I think you'd yeah. be very, very speculative to do it this week. But I'm just sort of putting it as one to keep your eye on because it, she's a player that could greatly benefit from Maloney going out if she does get the midfield time that we thought she was going to get this year. Yeah, I, I think this, this. if you were to trade her in this week, it's a move where you get caught in that classic fantasy fallacy, which is you coach the team that your players play in and if you ask me who I think should be in the midfield I would absolutely have Hannah Ewings on that list for Port Adelaide because she looked excellent last year and even if it was playing like more of a a 60-40 split forward midfield kind of that Kate Hoare kind of role so to speak I still think that would be a far better use of Ewings talents than just having her sit in forward 50 most of the game but we're not the coach we don't get the ability to do that. And, yeah, I think it's one you kind of throw in your book, wait to see anything, wait to hear some more news on what's going on with Maloney and whether or not we can expect it back anytime soon. And if we hear enough, I think she's, for people that are cash-strapped, probably going to be an absolute gift because she's going to be really cheap. Because this week she's 649K. So it's a, you, get, you gain some cash if you go from Phillips. So I think it's uh, it's definitely, you're right, Will, there. That's a, a good one to keep in your back pocket. Moving along then to another great game. We've got Brisbane against Collingwood. It's the first night game for Brisbane this year. And with the ins and outs, we've got Poppy Bolts and Jade Ellinger omitted. We'll get to more about that later. And then in uh, Christian Wenland and Annalie McKee. And then for Collingwood, it's... Jay, Eliza James is coming in, and we've got Smith going out. So we've got Emily Smith going out. So what is going on with Jade Ellinger? Will, yeah, I know that, that one truly shocked surprised. me when I saw that. I, I, I really don't know, to be honest. I, I, I was pretty shocked as well. I saw it and went, okay. And then I saw it was omitted, not injured. I was like, I've, I've got very little answer to that one. That one's completely come from left field for me. One of the like the most surprising omissions, because she is someone that has come with high raps for her skills and her speed and her movement off halfback and the wing for at least three seasons. Yeah, she's been a staple of that halfback line for the Lions for a fair while, and... I it's can't always say... been like, oh, she's got more talent too. Like, she's just hitting her stride. Mm. And like, I can't that... say I've watched that 
Brisbane Hawthorne game, but I mean, I'd be surprised if, you know, her game was that horrendous that she surrenders a spot to, you know, one of the two players. Caitlin that come in Wendland. Play. Yeah, they've got Caitlin a, de- a debutante and a player who's played just a handful of games. So, yeah, that one, very out of left field for me. Yeah, exactly. And particularly when uh, the whole thing with Brisbane is they were actually struggling to keep some of their more experienced players kind of in the squad. I am I'm truly shocked by this. As for its fantasy impact, look, she might have been a name for us to consider if she'd been named as a defender, but as a midfielder, it doesn't mean too much. Interestingly, and I'm- this space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Fortunately for any Nat Grider holders, uh, Shannon Campbell has been named back as a defender this week. Do you think that Jay Ellinger going back signals some kind of change in the defensive structure? For Brisbane, and do we think that means that you know Nat Grider is is it you know an important trade out, or is it just a hold and, and a wait and see? Yeah, it's it's a tough one because they're different sorts of players. Because Grider's obviously more of a interceptor, mark kick player, whereas in Ellinger's obviously a a run and carry player. It's I more mean, just a case of who's going to have the possessions back there yeah. because because like we I know I, that Grider has been a distributor in the past. Because I now look at that, the back line as it's named at least, and think that probably the best distributor in terms of leg speed is probably Phoebe Monaghan, which do- isn't really a natural fit for the role because she plays more of a lockdown. She is style. their key defender. She is the yeah. last player in their defence. Exactly. So I think it basically has to mean they're reshuffling the defence. To yeah. me, I mean... I don't. I can't say I know too much about Annalie McKee and Caitlin Wendland and whether they might be playing those roles. So I might quickly do some research on them. But I mean, I think one of the bigger fantasy impacts for us might be we've actually got a, a defender who, or not a defender. Uh, what, what positions Wendland in the game? Uh, that's a great uh, midfielder. Question. Caitlin Wendland is a midfielder, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, either way, yeah, we've, so now got, we've now got a potential player you could pick up. If you were kind of desperate. Yeah, uh, if, you, I, if you want to try and get some uh, some money, no idea how she'll score, but who knows? I, I wouldn't be going there. I think that uh, what we've seen from rookies for Brisbane this year, uh, for you know players who are actual rookies, I'm going to exclude Lily Postlethwaite from that kind of discussion, is it's a real struggle to get points. Um, and they're often in and out of the side yeah. quite frequently. And, you know, even the best of them in Charlotte Mullins has had some very up and down weeks, some high highs, and then some uh, some three of her five scores have been 30. Yeah. So it's not exactly one I'd be targeting. And in that instance, if you are looking for someone at 300K, I would be shopping in the players who have come down from higher prices down to 300k, a Rudy Tripodi, for example. Mm-hmm. In terms of what's happened at Collingwood, just, uh, just I don't quickly think... before we move yeah, on sorry. from Brisbane, um, Caitlin Wendland coming from uh, Central Districts averaged six tackles a game in the midfield. So is known as a pressure player. So does that translate? Who knows? But interesting to note. Definitely interesting to note, but I would have said the same thing about Poppy Bolts. Yeah. She was a pressure midfielder and she's been 
well, before being dropped, was a defender. <laughs> this is true. Now, Bales, do you have uh, many thoughts on Brisbane? Sorry, that was just Will and I just <laughs> no, 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 no yeah. over Jade Ellis. No, that's right. No, no, yeah, nothing, nothing too much to add um, from from my end. I don't have really too many of the players in my side and uh, and I'm looking at, except probably for Ali Anderson, who I'll probably look at targeting uh, once she's had that Lucy single tag next week. Yes. Well, moving then on to Collingwood, interestingly enough, uh, you know, the third week in a row under an injury clap, Bree Davey has been named. My question for the pair of you is, do we expect Cathy Svark to go there with a tag? Yes. Yep, I, I would think so. Yep, I agree with you. Save for the uh, fact that I would have agreed even more, you know, vociferously if we'd been talking about Spark tagging Jazz Garner in their game earlier in the year, and then that didn't happen. And it, as it turned out, the more effective tag was Bree Conan. So, yes, I think it is going to happen. That would be my prediction, but I can't say it with full chest. The other player that is hot on a lot of people's lips this week is Britt Benici. Fresh off her worst score of the year in that extremely weird and windy game between Essendon and Collingwood. What? So I'm in the situation where I'm holding her and I really think that this is going to be a bad matchup for her. Are we, if you've got her still in your midfield, is this the week to upgrade? Uh, I think it's a bit of a luxury trade, to be honest. I think there are probably still a few players like Bree Davey, I would probably say are probably more pressing. Put it this way. She had her first poor game last week. And I think that scared a few people. And if it was anyone but Brisbane, I would have said, don't worry about it. Benici will be fine. But it's Brisbane, which is why we're probably considering it a bit more. I I think if your team's doing pretty well and Benici's one of your lower tier players, go for it. But I think there's other players that are probably more priority for a lot of people. Yeah, I think you're in the situation where if she were to serve up a, you know, 60 to 80 point performance this week, she's at risk of falling below a million again. And I'm in the position where as much as I have some players that I don't think are spectacular in my side, I don't expect them to lose nearly as much cash away from the players that I would otherwise want to be upgrading them to. And so that's my reason for, for trading out Britt Benici this week. There's also part of me that knows there's a possibility she puts in a Jazz Garner gets tagged, but Ash Riddell still has a really good game type of performance because if you were to you know, make an analogy in this situation, Benici is the Riddell of the pair of those players. And Riddell, you know, managed to have a good enough score of them against them in each of their last three matchups, including this year. And so it might be a situation where Benici still does manage to get up to close to that 100 mark. I'm just of the opinion that it's more likely to be something in the 70s. And, you know, Collingwood, as injured as they are, probably are going to struggle to, to keep a lot of the ball. And you're probably going to see some low scores across the board for the Pies. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that yeah, if you, I think if you yeah, if you've got rid of Davy, got rid of Phillips, don't have Ty Smith on field, and you've got rid of a few of those, I think Benici up is is a good move. And if you can get yeah one of those midfielders in that one point three, one point two million ranging, it'd be a solid move. Yep. Well, I'm in the situation where yeah, I think it's uh, Tiana Smith and Britt Benici out for me, and then I'm downgrading to get about three hundred and seventy three hundred. 
cash and then paid. Moving there, along then to an upgraded game from uh, Collingwood and Brisbane uh, in Essendon and Geelong. Uh, interestingly, there are some important names for Essendon that have been named on an extended bench. And then uh, also, well, actually, yeah, that's probably the main thing to come out of this. So out for Geelong is Mel Bragg. And then coming in on an extended bench, we've got Shelley Scott, Gabby Featherston, Rachel Kearns and Liv Fuller. And then for Essendon, Jess Wushner is out. And then in, named on field, is Mia Van Dyke. And then named on an extended bench, you've got Sophie Van de Heuvel, Renee Tierney, and Danny Marshall. Importantly, Mia Bush, a very popular D6, has been named on the extended bench. And I have had a look in the past at what Essendon benches look like, and they pretty typically take the first five players named. And interestingly enough, Mia Bush has been named as the sixth player. And I think that the return of Sophie van der Heuvel means she is competing with Alex Morecambe for that kind of small to medium defender role this week. So that is a little concern for people. Uh, I would also say that uh, Essendon, the way they've been named on the rest of the park, are absolutely ridiculous, and I would not be reading too much into it. I don't know if, Will, you've got it up in front of you, but G. Nance Gorn is named as a forward pocket. Amber Clark has been named on the ball, and Steph Kane is off halfback. Yeah, like, fantastic, honestly. Um, that is exactly how I predicted it. And I'm I, sure I, as a Geelong fan, you're sitting there going, yeah, well, perfect. If you name them there, they're all out of position, and we're going to cruise to victory. I, look, put it this way. I, I, I'm still a bit worried because George Nanscorn, wonderful player. I think she's got at least a bag of six in her. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it, it's hard to take much. We've, we've known for a long time, to be completely honest, that the the way the teams are named isn't always the most accurate. Um, so I think this is definitely a situation where yeah. it's not even close. Yeah. Yeah, well, then let's move along to other things that are not very close, which is the fact that Julia Crockett Grills has been named on the ball. Uh, and oh, I'm actually not as and uh, Georgie Prince Parkus on that one. Uh, so yes, but Nina Morrison is named on a wing, and Beck Webster is off halfback. Uh, so in a full Geelong side, I don't think Julia Crockett Grills starts as a midfielder. I think she might get some time. Yes, I think I think that's fair enough, actually. Um, I think she'll definitely play through that midfield. Um, but yes, I think there will be more likely to be the standard combination of Prosparcus, Morrison and um, McDonald. Yes. Well, then that's a perfect segue into the conversation I think we really need to have this week, which is Georgie Prosparcus and Amy McDonald as trade-in targets for non-owners they're very similarly priced at this stage. Uh, Amy McDonald's coming off a far better performance last week. If you were to predict who is going to score more points for the rest of the year, with Georgie being the higher ceiling but more tag magnet type of player over an Amy McDonald who is quite often more consistent, who are you going to predict as the high scorer for the rest of the season? Will, I'll go to you as the Geelong fan first. Yeah, I still think it's Prasparkas. I think because she'll throw in a few massive scores in there that will just keep it above what I expect McDonald will do. But if you're looking for consistency, as you said, McDonald's probably still going to do you really well for probably slightly cheaper price. 
<laughs> um, across the season at least. Um, and she can throw in a big score. She's got, a, I think, a career high of 127 or something like that. Um, yeah, she's so definitely I, been someone that we've had kind of earmarked as a high-ceiling player in previous yeah. seasons. So um, to me, I think... Yeah, this, she's already had a 120-odd this year. Yeah. I think you can't really go wrong with either of them. I think the, the worry would be for me is that Prasparkas will be much more highly owned and you may get that 60-70 game from a tag in a few of the games coming up. Um, but at the same time, it'll probably even out with a couple of 120s, 130s that, you know, make it much of a muchness in terms of total points. Yeah, definitely. And I'm also, just in terms of trading them in this week, I'm quite comfortable in saying that after what I've seen Essendon do against Anne Hatchard and then against Bree Davey, I'd expect George and Nance Gordon to be some kind of stoppage tag on Georgie this week. Now, Georgie also scores a lot of points around the ground, so I'd not think it's going to be a player who can otherwise... You know, I'm not expecting a 68 this week, let's put it this way. I'd expect it to be much closer to 100, maybe kind of a, a, a high 90s, low 100s this week. Because I think that Georgia Nanskorn is very, very good at kind of putting herself in front of players at uh, at stoppages and really limiting their upside. That may steer me towards actually picking Amy because I don't think she sees a second of attack this week and sees much stoppage pressure at all. And she is definitely someone we've seen in the past can pretty comfortably tag her, tackle her way and kick her way to a big score. And you're saving 40k. Yeah, and I, th- I think the thing about it is you hit the nail on the head there, which is Amy McDonald is almost never going to cop a tag. I think Morrison's probably the second tag option after Prasparkas. So I think you're pretty safe knowing that you're unlikely to get like a sub-80 score from an Amy McDonald, which might be the sort of security that you want around that price. Um, yeah, so I, and I, I think with I think the matchups coming up. Yeah. I think with the matchups coming up as well, they well, we talked about it on the pod, but Essendon are a hard matchup for midfielders, and I think that is quite often because they're very good at extracting it out very quickly and getting in the ball to the outside, and really limiting those players who love repeat stoppages. Uh, and I think also they've they've shown that they're willing to put some stoppage attention into the kind of gun players. I think that. You know, it's not necessarily going to deter me fully from trading in a McDonald or a Presbarkus this week because I know that they've got Fremantle next week. They roll that into a game against Collingwood, where again I would expect uh, McDonald to to have a fair bit of spare time as well as Presbarkus, and that might actually be a game where we see another ceiling and then finish off the season with Richmond and Hawthorne. So. I really think that if you are considering trading targets this week at below 1.2 mil, so you haven't got the money for a Robottom, a Riddell, or a Parker, or yeah, those three, I think targeting either of Georgie or McDonald is a good play. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good play. I'm I'm Georgie as well. I'm I'm just looking at like her scores. I think a few people have been a little bit stressed about like, oh, is Georgie going to be top five mid? I still think she's in my top five. Uh, that last week, she gave away three free kicks. One of them was ridiculous. It shouldn't have. It should have almost been holding the ball over a high tackle, and that puts her up near an eighty. Um, if you just if it was a free kick for her, and then 
The other score, she got three hundreds in her first four, and the only game she went under a hundred was uh, a pretty hard tag against uh, Sydney, where she got an eighty nine at North Sydney Oval. So, I'm I'm pretty comfortable still bringing Georgie in. I'd love to bring her in this week. I'd be bringing her in if I had the extra hundred and forty k or whatever. And I'd also like Amy McDonald as well if I had the extra ninety k. But unfortunately, I don't. But I like I really do like both. But I think Georgie's going to be the one that uh, scores most for the rest of the season. Yeah, I I think it's going to be very close. I think that uh, we too easily forget that the ceiling player for a lot of their career has actually been Amy McDonald, and I think she's got at least another 120-plus score in her, particularly now that in the past she may have actually seen some attention. I don't think she's going to see any going forward, but I agree that Georgie is also a pretty safe bet to score well. And McDonald's a better pod. Moving along. as well. McDonald is definitely the better pod, and if you are looking to make a play to kind of push you up in the rankings, if you're sitting in that range kind of around 1,000 or kind of around 500 and you're looking to make a push-up in the second half of the year, I think you can do far worse than pick up Amy McDonald as a pod who I'm pretty sure has very low ownership inside the top 100. Now, we've got the next game on the run sheet. We've got Richmond and the Suns. Now, for Richmond... In terms of the players that they've named, they've got on an extended bench. They've got Lily Pierce, Shannon Dankert, Megan Kylie back for her first game of the year, and then Lauren Caruso. And out is Sarah Hosking. So it's not been a great year for injuries for Richmond. And then for the Suns, you've got on an extended bench, Darcy Davies, uh, who's this? Elise Barwick and Alana G coming in and no outs named to date. Now, have either of you guys seen the article that went up kind of late this afternoon, which was an interview with the Cold Ghost Suns coach about who Lucy Single was going to tag this week? No, I haven't. No, no I no, missed that one. Well, I would suggest you go and have a quick read. I'm, I'm, guessing, this. I'm guessing the answer's not Mon Conti then. Well, it's not that it's a slam dunk Mon Conti mm. because... In the corresponding fixture last year, the tag target was Eilish Sheeran. Oh, no. <laughs> and there was some discussion, apparently, and this is you know from the article, about whether or not some querying and whether or not they run it back again this year. And then another name that was mentioned as a possible target for a tag, hot, fresh off two great performances, is Greg. So what we all thought was a slam dunk, and I literally wasn't even thinking that there would be any other possibilities... The first time all year we have a coach up front about discussing who their players might tag and all it seek to do is to cast doubt in my mind because I cannot afford Eilish Sheeran to get tagged when I don't have Hannah Priest. I mean, for me, the, the error here is not having her, Hannah Priest, Liam. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right, you've got, you've got bloody Ali Morfitt already and now you're going to talk down to me about not having Hannah Priest. We they're, both know that they're the, only two I've got, study, they're the only two they're I've the, got. We both know uh, that uh, picking any player from this from the Saints this year that wasn't under price was a risk because of the Del Santo factor. But I'll give you credit for having, you know, a better uh, faith in the quality of Priest given we've had her in the past. But in terms of this game. Is that enough of a reason? If you're sitting there and you've got your your size looking very good and you've got some cash to spend, you're kind of thinking about upgrading a Brit Benici, 
looking to upgrade, maybe you're at five, maybe you've got a Chloe Malloy and you're looking to take her up to a Goldsworthy, or you've got an Eilish Shearer in there and you don't have Hannah Priest, are you prioritising that over the other two upgrades? I, I, I know that there was a talk about the potential tag off Monaco. I cannot see a world where single doesn't tag Monconti. So I I would be holding Eilish. And I think I'd be holding it even if she gets tagged. Yes, she might put up a, a bad score, but I know a lot of people have said it's almost just almost leave the defence alone once you've got sort of five good names back there um, just because they can put floor scores up, but then they can fight with good scores. And Sheeran's been pretty consistent this year, what, scoring between, what is it, 59 and 77. So getting solid scores. I guess, yeah, if you had nothing to do um, and you've got the money there, going Sheeran to Priest is, is a move that you could definitely look at or even a Sheeran to a Carney if you, if you jumped off of her or didn't start with her. That could be a play if you had no other issues. I just think that I'd probably yeah, do another trade elsewhere, I think. Interesting. Will, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I, I tend to agree with Bales that I'd be staggered if they didn't tag Monconti. It just seems like such an obvious one. She gives so much drive for Richmond that I, I, I know Sheeran's a fantastic player, but even with her ability to run off halfback, I just don't see her having the same impact as a Monconti. So I'd be doubly disappointed if she did go to Iowa Shearer and put it that way. Um, I think, I think if you are trading out Shearer and you're, you're probably trading out a player that isn't a priority just because she may have a tag, not even guaranteed to have a tag. So I would probably be looking elsewhere. Yeah. I think that there is a world where you can make the argument irrespective of tag that you're trading out Shearer and you're bringing in and to bring in priest and probably only priest Yep. You're bringing in the number one player in their line. Yeah, yep. I think if, if you're right. If you're not going all the way up with Sheeran at the moment, I don't think it's really that important. Advisable? To, yeah. And it, But if we did get advance word, you know, let's say we're going into Saturday and you do actually have some advance word about the fact that Sheeran is the one who see the tag, I don't – I can't begrudge you for doing it because uh, it, was a, it was a 37 that she scored – in this matchup last year when she saw the single tag. And that included a game with five tackles as well. So she got tagged, she got tagged hard, and she gave away four free kicks, which is just classic Sheeran areas. I guess I guess when you look at it, you could if you keep Sheeran and she gets to thirty seven again, I think that the defenders you're bringing in, if again if, if it's not Hannah Priest, like I think that's probably the only way. If you're going only up, you're only probably gonna you might only gain thirty points. Whereas if you and you hold a Bree Davey or Ty Smith and you can get a Parker or Blackburn or Derrick or something, they go 130, that's going to cost you a lot more. So that's probably another thing to note for coaches looking at that. I I definitely agree with you there. But uh, unfortunately, that's uh, I can only spread the good word, and that the good word being that uh, we now don't get to sleep as soundly at night yeah. because I also have been very comfortable in saying that Monconti is not someone you should be trading in this week because – she will see the Lucy single tag. And I think that if you were to ask who might be, you know, the one player that Lucy single is built to stop, and that is probably Montcon. If you were to get any word that uh, that wasn't to happen, is that a possibility? Is, is you know, trading in a Montconti fresh off a, a 120-odd uh, on the weekend against Fremantle, 
a possibility because if my memory serves correctly, they don't actually have a bad run coming up either. Actually, nope, that's not true. They've got the Cats the week after. Yeah, they, oh, they, uh, yeah, they got oh, sorry, Essendon. Not the cats, sorry, not the Cats. Yeah. They've got Essendon. Essendon, then they've got Hawthorne, uh, Geelong, and then they finish off with Collingwood. So it's been very good this year. She's, uh, what, 300 in his first five, 94 against the Crows, and 84 against uh, Giants with a, a list of tags. So... There was word that she wasn't going to get the tag, then you could definitely look at it because she's been very consistent. But I'd be a bit, I'm, I see, yeah, I, I still think she'll get it. But if you heard that she didn't, I think that she's definitely an option that you could consider. Yeah, interestingly as well, I think this might be just a storyline to to kind of save for the off season. Just having a look back, each of both of the last three se- seasons, Mon Conti has averaged or been around that ten percent market share percentage. She's never really broken out as a fantasy player, though. Notwithstanding the fact that I reckon anyone who gets above that 10% threshold has, you know, potential to be a premium mid or a premium player. Is there kind of, is it something that, you know, is it is it a case of she's never going to improve? Is there something in the game plan that Richmond need to unlock to make her a good fantasy scorer? Because she dominates the ball and fantasy scoring in that team at Richmond in a way that you would expect her to see more points. I think something that a lot of people do forget is she's still 23. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. There's still, <laughs> yes. still a fair bit of development to go. And But you've um, also got to remember, like, you've got to remember Elise Parker is the same age. Oh, for sure. But I think I think they're different sorts of players where Parker being a, con- a different sort of contested player probably lends itself more to fantasy point getting. Whereas in, I think for... For Moncon, the thing about her is the reason she's so good is because she's super good at basically getting out of it. And we've, we've had this discussion before a few times, possibly on the pod, possibly just while we're watching the game. One of the reasons she probably isn't an elite scorer is because she doesn't really get many marks and tackles compared to other players because what she is really, really good at is handball receives. The, the, the Richmond yeah. players love giving it to her she gets out of trouble and is a fantastic kick going. It's a bit forward. like Dusty. And exactly. And it's it's one of the reasons why she'll probably have a season where it all comes together and averages well over a hundred. But it's not that unfathomable that she will always be a ninety averaging midfielder despite being one of the best in the competitions. Yeah. I think to kind of piggyback off the back of that, I actually would say that uh the biggest issue is that she doesn't get a lot of repeat possessions in um, in kicking chains, and that's because I think that her movement skills are so good, her teammates don't know where she's going, which I actually think is a legitimate thing. Like, you're never 100% sure where she's going to exit the stoppage, and that makes it difficult for players to set up around her so that she can get those kind of kick, and then she's in the next kick in the kicking chain. It's almost like she's actually going a little too fast and moving a little too differently. But, look... She scored well in the last game and, you know, it was a great matchup and she's got a tough one this week potentially. But if you heard word of a single tag not being there, then I can't begrudge picking her. And now moving along to the final game of the round, we've got Fremantle and North Melbourne. In the ins and outs, there's only one player who's actually been named out so far and that's Sarah Wheelstra out for Fremantle. They've named Ed Antonio, Talia Mulder, Ariana Hetherington and Michaela Hyde. And then North Melbourne have named in on an extended bench Neve Martin, Lucy Burke, and Hannah 
Bowie. For this game, I think there are a few interesting storylines for the Kangaroos. I say I'm probably going to expect the same as we've seen in every game this year outside of GWS, which is probably a lot of high score. It'll be quite high scoring. We're probably going to see a fair few goals from Shearlaw, Randall and King, and then a pretty dominating midfield performance from the combination of Garner, Riddell, King and Jenna Bruton. I don't think I expect to see anything different from the Kangaroos this week. Now, unless anyone disagrees with me, I think the real interesting side here is Fremantle because I don't understand them. (laughs) And they're interesting in one respect and they're also frustrating. Can we, in any way, shape or form, predict... Oh, actually, Will has just uh, dropped off as well. Uh, Bales, I'll ask you. They've named Hayley Miller and Stannett and Dana East in the midfield. Would you be confident saying that that will be the kind of main midfield rotation for this game? No. (laughs) No, no, you can't. You've said it. You can't predict really what Frio are doing at the moment. Um, I just, yeah, I'd like, because I would be keen on bringing, like, I've looked at Meg Kaufman, bring her in in my forward line for Aaron Phillips this week. But She's in my my forward line. I brought her in last week. Uh, I'd seen... Her live in that fourth quarter against Essendon, which was her best quarter of the game with Bowers off the field. Yeah. I was like, that is someone that we've seen go well in previous weeks. And she dipped a little bit with Bowers back in playing full-time minutes. And then she goes out, she has her best quarter. She's cheap. She's like 770-odd K. Sits at full forward for a quarter in the game the week after. I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it's like and and you said it as well on the pod. The tackle numbers, it's just it's fallen off of a cliff like for all of Freya. Like you, week one, I'm looking at Kaufman's numbers. She had twelve and fourteen in the first two weeks, and that twelve in round one was only from fifty eight percent. In the last three weeks, two, five, and two. Like, and this is and she we know that she tackles a lot, and I want to bring in because I think she can be a player that can go at ninety just with the tackle numbers and playing midfield. But I just, I don't know what role she's going to play. And the concerning thing is, does Hayley Miller maybe go to a Garner, but like, and do a run with role? That was was going to be my, she didn't go with a run with role on Conti last week. Yeah. That was actually a little bit of Ange Stannett and not a very good job at it either. Yeah. And and Ange Stannett's been so Uh, good this season playing as that, high half forward that and getting up the ground, almost playing as an extra midfielder. But And you'd think that they'd play like Hayley Miller, Kaufman and, and maybe an O'Sullivan or, or or Dana East or someone in there. But well, the- Dana East, absolutely. You know, they've got the midfield bodies to kind of put in there. And they've got a whole bunch of players who played as, as midfielders, as juniors. Uh, Pip Seth is an example. She's not named in this side, but he's someone who's, well, they've got midfielders. The, the choice to put Stan and Stanett in there, it basically changed her position for the second time in five games, is baffling. Yeah. But again, it, it really does make predicting fantasy scores impossible for them this week, outside of, I'd say, maybe only on your tie. And this is not the matchup to bring her in either. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'm probably going to watch. Um, for for a week, um, or what's happening at free if they if they do change back, um, they did win last week, so <laughs> probably not. That made even less yeah. sense. They look <laughs> terrible structurally. 
They were never in the right spot, and yet they still managed to win. They allowed Kate Dempsey, a winger, to be look, look like the best player on the park in the first half. The number of times Fremont got the ball and they just had nobody to kick it to going forward if Anya Tiger wasn't there. Because they had, you know, Hayley Miller sitting at full forward. Hmm. Or they had an entire quarter of uh, Megan Kaufman sitting at full forward. They are a, a an unfathomable side. I think the only flag on, on Garner this week is possibility of seeing the same kind of tag from Hayley Miller that uh, Maddie Press Parker saw. Yeah. That's my. That's probably the main thing I'd be concerned about. And, you know, I'd like to be, if you're in a situation where you can at least have a loop with someone else in the round, you know, don't. I wouldn't be expecting 150. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't either. I think that it, I think she'll go all right. But, yeah, not probably that, that ceiling score. Um, that would be, yeah, the one thing. A bit of a flag there. Does Jazz kind of still go at the top of the captains for, for you this week, mate? She's still up there? Uh, she's still up there, yes. She's still at the top for me at the moment, uh, but it's not kind of extremely high. Yeah. It's not that kind of – it's not 130-plus. Yeah, it's probably maybe a little bit less this week. Is that – I've seen it. I, right. I've, I've half considered it. I'm probably not going to do it. I've considered going Garner yeah. down to a Prosparkas, for example, to just get a few hundred K, which would allow me to go a Phillips up to um, – to someone like a Goldsworthy. That's something I've considered. I don't know if that is anything you'd recommend for other people out there. I couldn't because you could just go 150 when you're oh. going to get rid of her. Like, look what happened to Kate Hoare, and I didn't expect Kate Hoare to go yep. over 110, let alone right. 140. You can't be getting rid of players who've got that kind of yep. feeling and have shown it at multiple points this season, which uh, which also takes us now to, um, to, to a few. We've got a lot of questions, and apologise if we don't get to all of them. Uh, but in terms of some of the most interesting ones, I think we're now talking in the range of the most important ones this week, which is if you're sitting there, you're looking to upgrade a Benici, you've got the options of trading in each of Ash Riddell. You've also got uh, Elise Parker. And you've also got Charlie Robottom. In what order would you be trading them in this week? I still have Robottom number one, I think. She, I saw her live last week, and she was she was fantastic. Like again, racking up the tackles, getting the touches. She gave away four free kicks as well, which was uh, a few of them were probably a little bit clumsy. And in a, on another day, she doesn't give the, all those away. And that's a one forty if she doesn't give those away. She was yeah, she was fantastic. I just really can't praise her enough. I've I've loved watching her since I've owned her. Um, even when I didn't own her, she was uh, she was it was hard to watch because she was so good. Second, I'd have Elise Parker just for the run coming up and the fact she doesn't come off uh, the ground. Like the last four games, the only time she's been off was when she was injured against Richmond. That's it. She stays on the ground the whole time and the run. And I, and I feel bad putting Ash Riddell at three because she's been so good. And she's, again, one of those real good pod options in the midfield. It's never going to get tagged with Joe's Garner there. Um, just a low time on ground still is... You, you mentioned pre-season was a bit baffling last year. And it's sort of continued a little bit again playing really in the 70s when I would imagine that she probably could play around the mid-80s, but yeah. Um, I, I also just think it's a situation where if you look at what Garner's time on ground is, it has also been, it's not been as low, but it's also been lower than you would expect for a player who's, you know, put together seven seasons of pre-season and has also been, you know, a pretty contested 
high insurance player for a few seasons in a row now. So I, you know, if you were to ask, it might be just a situation where they're looking to conserve bodies for what I'm almost certain will be a final series. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think it's an outrageous choice. Um, but yeah, I, in terms of my rankings, Oh, I have armed and art about this for a long time. I actually think trading this week, it's probably Parker one. Yeah, and, I, yeah, and, and then it's Riddell two, and then it's oh, Robottom three. Okay. Because Robottom next week has the matchup against Brisbane. And so it's not just, it's not a great matchup this week. It's a horrendous matchup the week after. Yeah. It's the worst matchup you can have for any position. And... You know, it's not as so bad as you're going to trade her out. I think that we've seen that that you know, hyper contested, you can't tackle to me to the ground style, really does stop her from having those pretty bad floor scores. I do think she she becomes a very difficult player to tag to a sixty. So I, I think that she insulates herself from that Georgie Prasparka style of you know six to seventy, but. I don't know if it's ceiling scores for each of the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good, good call. Um, I wouldn't begrudge anyone going Parker over Road Bottom and against three great players that are all ho- you're hoping going to go a hundred plus the rest of the year. You sort of, you almost, almost can't make a wrong decision in terms of uh, who you get in, even though you still sort of can in a way because one could go down a lot. You definitely but, yeah. can make a. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that these are definitely players to be targeting. It's just you know push comes to shove. This is my order of preference, but also I cannot claim to to be absolutely certain on that, and it's something that I've ummed and ahed on all week. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. If I didn't have Road Bottom uh, already, I'd be umming and ahing between her and Parker. So if you're going for the run, it's definitely Parker. Yeah. All right. So I think then that was one question that had actually popped up in a few different places. Now here's another one for you. She's the, one of the big name outs for this week, and you've got Paxi who's now out, who are the best upgrade or who are the best forward targets at below 940K? Um, yeah, again, this is one I've been struggling with. Uh, I think Goldsworthy's right up there. We've seen how good she's been, and I think she's going to push those top five. She doesn't, again, similar to Parker, doesn't come off the ground. Uh, Sabrina Frederick is also a name there that is to just keep an eye on it. She's a bit expensive, probably for my liking, but has been better in the ruck. Um, I'm just only mentioning her name. She's been good. I'd, I'd be definitely going a Goldsworthy over her if you've got that. You've mentioned Nicola Barr, who I'm a fan of as well, has been pretty consistent this year and, as Will said, finally playing a, a good role. Um, going down, I think, and, yeah. and then probably the two that I'd be keen to see what you thought because I think we've said Randall Kaufman, Harris, players like that are probably not at this stage, um, is uh, Deanna Berry and Jesse Wardlaw are probably the two. I, I like Berry playing in that midfield, and Wardlaw's been one that's playing more in the ruck. But Mon- uh, is it Aaron McKinnon is back in, back for Saints? Aaron so. McKinnon is back. But they've also dropped uh, Simone Nolder this week. So, yeah, look, I think that I would prefer Deanna Berry just because I definitely think there's a world where Jesse Wardlaw is in times where things are going poorly structurally up forward for St Kilda, she'll be asked tasked with a, a role to structure up a little bit more. Yep. And I'm just naturally drawn away from key forwards as, as higher scoring players. 
I do think, though, that this week is a good matchup because I don't know if anyone's going to be able to run around the ground with her uh, if she's playing in the ruck. But I also think that Erin McKinnon is someone who, you know, has the, you know, the capability as a full-time ruck. We've seen her do it before at GWS. So it's certainly an option, but I think I prefer the role of Deep Berry. She was a little bit up and down on the weekend, but it kind of quarter to quarter, but she definitely looked like she's a full-time player in there. And it certainly looks like Kirsty Lamb has made way for that to, to happen. The other name that I, or the other two names that are probably worthwhile thinking about are Gabby Newton at 770K and then Hanine Zarika at 751. I think Gabby Newton looked like she'd made a pretty full-time move to defence in that game against St Kilda. So she, off the top of my head, I think she took all the kick-ins. And she's someone who has gone to pick one the Western Bulldogs have constantly tinkered for her best position, just given she's in that kind of Montana Ham-esque frame. And she had, I think, her highest score of the year. On yeah, the 89. And 89. Yeah, nine marks as well. She looked really good. and she, Nine marks, took a whole bunch of kick-ins. I'd love to see that mark. Sorry, I'd love to see that uh, tackle number a little higher. But on the whole, I think she's definitely a name that I'd probably have, uh, I'd probably have above Wardlaw at this stage. And but you'd still prefer Barry. I would still prefer prefer Barry at this stage, but it's just disappointing that we don't have Gabby Newton actually named as a defender because that would be a fascinating play at her price. Yeah. All right. So I think those. So yeah, I, I'm definitely obviously be a fan of Bar. Goes without saying. I don't know if I like Lucy's single scoring for each of the next two weeks. I'm not so big on Sabs Frederick just for her run the next couple of games. Rucks for Collingwood. They've got the matchup against uh, Brisbane Lions, which is less than ideal. And then they roll into Carlton. So that's moody and good. And then into Geelong. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, on board with that. With Sam Frederick as much the the ruck that I the ruck who's named as a forward who I am on board with is Emma King. Uh, I think that she is someone who, if you forgive her for a sixty six on the weekend in a game where typically she's taken you know five to seven marks a game, she had one, and that was I was going to say in large part due to the weather. Yeah, uh, she is someone who has been taking more ruck contests has averaged far more hitouts this year than she has in other years with um, when Kim Rennie has been in the side. So she's another player at 916K who has a good scoring matchup this week against what's a pretty soft Fremantle side. Yep, yeah, I like it, yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely uh, somewhere where you can go if you are looking for a pod. Now, let's just go through. There are unfortunately a lot of questions, and I'm cognizant that we've been going for quite a long time now. Uh, okay, let's have – all right, let's quickly reload and see what other is, ones pop up when I is do. Is Fitzgerald the pick of the rookies this week, do you think? Yeah, Kira Fitzgerald with uh, Kez Peterson out is definitely the pick this week. She's going to have the – I'm pretty sure she got the lowest break even of the week. Um, and a good matchup. Like we saw that, you know, Western Bulldogs pretty easy to play against and they'll they'll be inaccurate with their kicking. So and cash gen, I'm pretty yeah, cash gen tight, I think. Yeah, it's good. I think Bush to Fitzgerald's going to be a pretty popular move this week. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, in terms of any other questions, there's one here asking about Zorika. Yeah, I, we, I kind of mentioned her name then, but we didn't really discuss her much at all. Do we reckon she holds that midfield role? And do you think that the scoring holds up? Because that was her highest score of all time on the weekend with her 80-odd. Yeah, she, she looked good, did a good job on, on Jazz Garner. I'm just, yeah, I think someone put up, I think, uh, Jane, in our Discord chat, and that put up the CBAs, and I think uh, she only had like 11%. Or something, or a low, a low number. So, I'm a bit wary of, of targeting a player like that. That's had one big score. I know that the she looked good last week, but who's to say that she uh, doesn't uh, sort of tag anyone this week and go more to forward and, and score a forty? So, I, I'm probably not going to go there. I think I think you'd rather you'd almost rather take the pun on I think Gabby Newton um, for what's that 19k more and. I think D Berry as well is probably the pick pick there. Um, yeah, I would be I would be taking a stab on either of those over Zarika. I, I think we know that she's talented and she is a good pressure player, but I yeah her points per minute was I think close to half a point per minute per game better than her highest ever previously. So that screams a bit of an out of the box game yeah. for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, and then I think then unfortunately oh okay here's a. He's, a, he's actually a good one to end on this week. Who's the better player to trade this week? Is it Matilda Schultz or Tiana Smith? Ooh. Again, probably depending who you're getting up to. Um, if you're going Schultz to Edmonds and then if it's Ty Smith to Derek, I think you're going Ty Smith to Derek just for this week because Schultz has got a, a decent matchup, which you probably wouldn't think Ali Morford's a good matchup, but she is. Um, nope. So, Ali Morford gives away yes. free kicks like they're going to the fashion, <laughs> so, and does not and does not apply defensive pressure in the marking contest. Yeah. Like you know, if she's not there, she's she's really not there. She's going to allow you to do your own thing. Yeah, like last week for Morford was a good week. She only gave away one free kick, but after before that, four, three, four, and seven. So she, she's imagine she's scoring that well with all these free kicks. So I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's here's something for you. She has the most clangers in the competition at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So that should give you an idea of the type of player that she is. But, yes, I think that I agree with you. I think it's Tiana Smith out. I think that the difference between Tiana Smith as an M5 is, you know, to to the player you could get up to. If you bring in – even if you're trying to get to an Amy McDonald, I think the difference in their scoring could be 40-plus points versus – I think Matilda Schultz versus Morfitt, it's probably going to be 80 and 100. It's going to be 20 points difference this week. Yeah. Um, all right. I've I've realised now. I've I've been messaged and been told that I that we probably do need to discuss quick, just quickly, which is uh, who are the best kind of three to four hundred k players to trade in this week. I think we've already named the number one target, and that's uh, Kira Fitzgerald. I think you can also take a punt on Charlie or Wicksteed. Uh, she has looked good when she's actually been given the time on ground. I don't know about you, Bale. Yeah, you've had a look. I know that around at the moment. I know that JS in our Discord chats, uh, he's always disappointed, saying that he thinks Wicksteed should be getting a lot more game time. And I, I agree with that. I think she should be getting more game time, which you never know could start rising uh, after having some good moments last week. So um, she's one. There's a lot of lot of names that have dropped a lot of cash that you sort of look at and you think, could you take almost a punt on? on someone like that. Like like Fowler's not dropped a lot, but she's obviously was playing that backup rut. She's another one I looked at. I looked at a few names that have like again, as I said, dropped cash. Like you've got 
um, like Tess Craven is there, dropped to over 200K. Um, and then you've got like, um, you obviously mentioned McCoy before, but I wouldn't be going uh, there after that. And then you've also got, I think, Sophie Casey from Collingwood as well. But then it's like they've dropped so much it's for a reason. So do you want to be jumping on someone that's dropped on? And then Ruby Tripodi is probably the other one. I don't uh, know if you're a fan of any of those ones there. Yeah, so Tripodi, I, I really don't mind. I think taking a punt on, um, what's her name, from Collingwood. Casey. So, oh, no, Erica Fowler, yeah. Kate, Erica Fowler. There are definitely worse players to take a punt on. I think if you haven't got Izzy Huntington already, I think she's coming into the good bit of her schedule now. She's got a game against West Coast where we know that uh, there can be some uh, pretty decent scores. And I do actually back her in to have a bag of goals at some point. And then she's got some Kilda and then follows that up with a game against Carlton. So I think that's not a bad player to be targeting. Uh, I also think that there are, yeah, a bunch of names uh, that you could be trading in that are very, very cheap at that 300K level. So... Players that you probably, you know, you could have owned in the past if we were playing as a rookie. Neil Morris Dalton is 300k, and I think she actually had a cup, a bag of goals in the first couple of games, and then really hasn't done much since then. So she's probably due for some. Uh, if you were to ask me, uh, I don't think it's the worst option. We've already kind of had a discussion about uh, Cambridge McCormick. I think you would do that with uh, the expectation that you might not be getting many points. I don't think Cambridge is going to be making much cash unless she's uh, in a role where she's back to, to being a full-time ruck. Um, in terms of other positions, unfortunately, I had it filtered just for forwards. Um, um, interesting one here as well. Cheyenne Hammond is 372K. She's someone who can score 40s, and she's got a couple of good matchups on the horizon. Now, Dana Finn played as an intercept defender uh, in the game against St Kilda. I think that uh, she might not hold her spot, is my query, if uh, Karen Peterson is to come back into the side. Yep. Uh, versus Kira, who, Kira Fitzgerald, who looked really, really good. Uh, I wouldn't be going... Oh, well, actually, interestingly enough, Sachi Syme has been named again. She's someone who you could definitely be trading in. She had a 42 against Geelong, which was the last game she played and then got dropped quite inexplicably, if you ask me. <laughs> she's she's at uh, a very low... Uh, she's only at 300k because she had a 6 in 58% game time in round 2 against Brisbane. But if you're going to bank on a player who, again, has good points per minute when they're given enough time on the ground, it's probably Syme and... Uh, Syme and... Uh, Wicksteed. Yeah. All right. I think that's enough of the names for the time being. Uh, I could be scrolling through this list for quite a while, and I'm <laughs> cognizant that that's now uh, the nice hour and 45-minute mark, so a bumper episode. But uh, I think then we've probably had uh, a good, a nice long chat now that Will joined us as well. Uh, before we uh, all jump off, who are your trades and who are your, who's your current captain this week? Um, yeah, so trades is, is is probably the good question of the week for me. Uh, I haven't been sold on really. I get the feeling you're not very settled. No, I, I, I'm sort of just, it's like going to sleep and just sort of just can't get comfortable. I'm just, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of trades, but they, they make the most sense. So going Mia Bush down to, uh, Kiara Fitzgerald, going Aaron Phillips up to D Berry and then going Bree Davey up to, uh, Abby Dowrick. 
Um, the reason I sort of feel unsettled still is the fact that I still don't own any of Bonnie Toogood or Kate Hoare. Um, I've still got um, probably I want to go shocked up to Edmonds or Morford at some point in the near, near future. I've still got Ty Smith on field. Tanya Kennedy is was good last week, but can she keep that going or is she going to drop a bad score where I'm going to have to trade her? Um, so, And then not much cash gen. So I'm sort of just in a... We, I was happy with my team a few weeks yeah. ago, but getting Garner into almost, uh, it's made life a, a bit tougher than what I thought. So I don't know what your opinions are on those trades, but uh, that's currently what I've settled on and they probably make the most sense at this stage. Yeah, look, I don't mind the combination of Derek and, and Barry uh, as trade-ins. I, I do think that Phillips is a must-trade. And, yeah, you, you're going to have to make some tough choices in the, in the coming few weeks and or at least hope that... Uh, Someone like a Tanya Kennedy can kind of maintain that kind of mid to high 60s yeah. scores for you so that it's, she's not too much of a liability. In terms of my trades this week, I am going one of either of the sets of trades. So funnily enough, I'm actually also trading at Erin Phillips this week, but she was not on field for me last week. I made the call that uh, I thought uh, Brianna Davey was going to lose too much cash. So I traded Davey out and put Tiana Smith on field instead. And that allowed me to uh, put Erin Phillips on the bench for a week and at least get a chance to stream her if she, say, had a score in the 30s and I wouldn't have to then take it. Yeah. So she's going down most likely to a wick steed, possibly even to just a 300k basement player, maybe a Saatchi sign this week. And then I am doing either of uh, both Benici and Tiana Smith out and bringing in Riddell and Dowrick or Parker and McDonald. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I'd love to be doing moves like that. Um, that's why I said in my position, I half looked at bloody Garner out, but I just I cannot bring myself to trading Garner out. All right. Yep. It's uh, it's it's a really tough one, and you know, it'd take a bold call, but you know, you might be able to bank close to three hundred k. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> well, look, I I I'd love to give you some better advice, but I would just probably tie your brain in even more knots than you already are. And on that fun note, we're probably going to end it up here for this evening. Thank you everyone for uh, coming along to listen. Uh, I always appreciate coming on to have these chats and uh, I hope everyone else who's out there listening is uh, doing the same. Hopefully bails. Yeah. So hopefully before I run, get you to hopefully get you to jump on tomorrow afternoon as well. Be nice. Obviously you got work and stuff, but then see how we go with that. Work commitments going all right. Uh, I've got a a bit of a deadline, but I should be able to make it on for at least part of it tomorrow night. So hopefully uh, that's on the cards. Uh, Bales, before we jump off, where can people find you out in the world? Uh, You can find me in Adelaide, uh, relaxing, watching some footy, and uh, on Twitter and Instagram at BalesDT and uh, YouTube at TrudyBales. Sorry, no, you'll see it. Yeah, Trudy Bales HD on YouTube. I got that right. Uh, bloody old, almost stuffing that up there. Um, and yeah, oh, live well. tomorrow as well. Um, pre lockout chat. So make sure you guys tune in for that. And thanks once again for having me, Liam. It's been good fun. Yeah, no, not a problem. And uh, thanks for coming on. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed this this evening. All things going well with the audio when I download it. This should also be up on our podcast feed tomorrow. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. See ya.